Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God with one another for the good of others in the valley as it is in heaven. Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast. We are doing a little bit, something a little bit different today. We have several guests with us, um, all of which make up a team called the Go US team. And really what that means is that these are like-minded individuals that share a vision for discipleship emerging in their local context and share a great deal of sacrifice and values of that being expressed uh, in Montana and Chicago, and of course us here in the Phoenix area. So without further ado, I'm going to have Brad Prunty kick us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go around the horn. Yeah. So, uh, name's Brad Prunty. Great to be, uh, here with you guys today. Um, yeah, it's been a fun journey. I'm currently in the Chicagoland area, a lead pastor of one line church, in Wheaton, Illinois, and uh, we are leading a disciple-making hub uh, here in Illinois. So uh, that's what I do, who I am. Married uh, for 15 years, got two amazing girls. They're nine and five, nine and six, actually. They're they're growing up too fast, but that's me. <laughs> hey, Brad, tell us a little bit, too, about how you got connected to Go. How long ago did you get introduced to Go Ministries? It's a great question. So, um, wow, it's been uh, 20, 22 years now. Um, I first got connected to go. I met Brooke Brosman, who's the founder and president of go, uh, back when I was in college at uh, Lincoln Christian college and played him in golf. I beat him in golf and he's kept me around ever since just (laughs) so he can, uh, try to try to redeem himself. But uh, I know through that, um, that's how I first got introduced to go and then did my first trip to the Dominican Republic in 2002, transformed my life. Uh, clearly there was anointing on what was happening there. You know how you just, you go somewhere and you can just tell that God's spirit's moving and it was evident. Um, and, and love that in 2013, when we planted uh, the church that I'm currently at, uh, was able to reconnect with go and partner, uh, with, with go and the work God continues to do and, uh, have been back several times, uh, to the Dominican sense, and now uh, super honored to be uh, joining all of you on this uh, uh, movement here in the U.S. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Great. Nick, tell us Yeah, uh, so I actually work at the same church Brad does. Brad is the lead pastor. I'm in charge of our discipleship uh, stuff at our church, which we're talking about today. And uh, through my relationship with Go, do you just want me to go there? Yeah. Um, I got involved with Go um, several years ago. I was invited to come down and teach at the seminary on multiplying leadership. And that was just before Go had made a shift towards church planting as one of their primary focuses. And so I got to be on the ride kind of before church planting became a priority or like a leading priority uh, focused area. And then got got to kind of stay with them and been on the team with them ever since. So in the Dominican, I do go global church planting, and I also am on the Go US team here. So 
And you're married with kiddos? Yes. Married uh, to an awesome lady, Lisa, and we've got two kids, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. Awesome. And uh, awesome. tell us a little bit about the journey with Go with church planning, because a few years ago, um, like even just numerically, the multiplication that's happened is exciting. Not because it's growth yeah. by addition, but there's some legit multiplication happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a big model shift for them to begin to think about church planting differently than the old model. And their old model was essentially identify a space, build a building, install a pastor, and then begin the work of the church in that community. Um, through the incredible work of their seminary and uh, now our strategy in church planting, we've really focused on discipleship first. And so what that means is we look at opportunities to go into a community and see the church emerge from planting the gospel. And so the numbers were about 17 churches over the first gosh, 20 to 25 years, uh, had, had been built and, and established there. And then since then we're seeing, uh, over 125, uh, church communities now just on the Island and, and Dominican Republic. So it's just pretty wow. incredible to see the growth and movement that's been happening. So cool, man. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, Montana Chris. boy, cowboy. <laughs> hey, thanks for having us guys. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Hornbrook. Uh, my wife, Lindsay, uh, and I and our five kids uh, moved up here to Kalispell, Montana uh, back in 2019. And uh, just, man, at a, um, a real heart and a vision for uh, reaching small towns and, uh, and particularly rural, rural America. And um, I've been a church planner down in the suburbs of San Diego uh, previously and um, Man, as we started visiting Montana and the Lord just started to stir this vision on our heart, uh, realized that uh, a lot of us uh, as church planners had gone to the suburbs and the cities, uh, which is great, but realized that uh, rural America had been um, sort of neglected in a lot of ways. And so yeah. um, God just started to stir in our heart uh, a big vision for small towns and uh, what would it look like to just really make disciples who could make disciples and uh, see the church, uh, emerge out of that. And so, um, yeah, came up here, got a job at Chick-fil-A, uh, just started meeting people and, uh, trying to, uh, invest in people's lives as they invested in our family's lives, uh, helping us become Montanans. And, uh, so it's been a, yeah, it's been a beautiful journey the last couple of years. Um, been involved with go for about 20 years, uh, just, man, absolutely love, uh, the ministry that's happening, uh, down there. We were, um, yeah, I was just so encouraged. I'd never seen anything quite like, uh, go in the way that they equip and empower local leaders. And so, uh, we got involved and man, over the last 20 years, we have learned so much, uh, from those Dominican and Haitian leaders. Um, and, uh, and our faith has grown so much as a result. So, um, yeah, that's our story. Love it, man. Dude. Thank you, guys. Love it. Yeah. Matt, have we, I don't know if we've shared with uh, our people just our connection with Go. Love for you to share Yeah. your first connection with Go and, and your involvement. <clears throat> yeah, so my first time to the Dominican Republic, which is where Go uh, started doing international ministry 30 years ago, right? Um, it yeah. wasn't with Go, but I got a feel for the island um, and the gospel efforts that were being done there. And then it wasn't until 2013 that I took an official trip with a bunch of high school students. 
And I'll just say, anybody listening on this trip um, or on this podcast, if you have the opportunity to go to see what Go is up to in the Dominican, uh, take it. It extremely, one of their values is mutual transformation. And for myself and everybody who went on that trip, uh, that wasn't just an articulated value. That was an activated value in our souls as we left. So I've been back a few times since. My wife has been there a couple times and just like exactly what y'all are saying, resonate deeply with the gospel efforts there. Adam? It's awesome. Yeah, I got connected with Brooke Brotsman, the president, um, over a decade ago and uh, started taking trips of high school students to the Dominican, to Santiago. And uh, yeah, I agree 100% with what everybody shared with, in terms of mutual transformation, um, my, not only have I experienced that, but me and my wife have been able to experience that on a regular basis and, and love the relationship that we get to cultivate with go, um, that we have and 18 to support several people and to be involved in, in a lot of different ways. And now with this expression, um, here in the Valley and with this team, it's just an honor and I'm very excited for what's to come, uh, beyond, um, this year as we go into, uh, 2022. Yeah, I think it's interesting that anytime we get outside of our context, it seems to reveal the idols in our own context a little bit better. And yeah. so for me, that's probably one of the greatest values that those short-term trips offer is we come back and we see, oh, there is a there is a distinctiveness to what the gospel is calling us to. And when you go on a short-term trip, you come back with more intentionality to do that, live it out and remove some of those idols, hopefully, and walk <clears> at a different pace, a different rhythm. So, um, okay. So I want to start off with this question for each of us. Just how do you hear, um, how are you hearing God lately in terms of what is he inviting you into as you wrap up 2021? So that could be personal or even communal. Uh, but I'm just curious for everybody listening um, you guys are pastors, and I know you're fighting to discern what God is up to and how you can join Him. And so just as 2021 is about to close here in a couple months, what are you focusing on? Man, I think uh, for me, uh, both personally and for our church family, uh, it's just this very simple idea of pursuing a simple and authentic faith in Jesus, uh, where we actually follow him. And I feel like, uh, crazy enough, um, the word that I feel like he's been speaking over uh, me and our church and uh, just actually inviting our community, uh, not just our church community, but our entire community, um, is just to follow Jesus, knowing that following Jesus actually makes us uh, better at life and makes life better. And uh, I was uh, really specifically um, in John chapter three, uh, where Mary looks at the disciples, you know, they're at that wedding banquet and, uh, uh, you know, they ran out of wine or getting close anyway. And uh, Mary wants Jesus to do something about it. And Mary just looks at uh, Jesus's disciples and she says, do whatever he tells you. Yes. And I just feel like that right there is the word that um, uh, that the Holy Spirit is calling uh, me and calling our church community. And actually our community is like, just do whatever he tells you. 
Um, and uh, so that's, as we turn that corner, um, I think it's for us trying to learn how to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and just do whatever he tells us. So come on, bro. That's so good. That's mm-hmm. really good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love that, Chris. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, it's a, for me, there's been kind of an awakening over the past uh, 12 to 18 months as I realized how much of my identity has been wrapped up and found in my success as a pastor. And um, I've always been a visionary type leader, a doer. Um, uh, and I think that's what I realized is that, wow, I've put a lot of my identity in um, my success, which was really a, a broken view of success <laughs> to start with even um, on a Sunday morning or on a growth or a certain kind of church. Um, and so I've had a lot of the, the same uh, invitation from God as you were just sharing, Chris, that, boy, what does it look like for me uh to move more into a, a season and really the rest of my life of dependence on the Holy spirit. And, uh, so I you know, came across a definition. This is how we've really, it's similar to how we define it in the discipleship pathway, but, uh, declaring that Jesus is Lord is really asking, um, how I would live my life or how Jesus would live my life if he were in my place. And so, um, I want to live my life as Jesus would live my life if he were in my place. And if you look at how Jesus lived his life, it was a dependence on the Father, and it was uh, really an invitation into solitude and prayer. And and that's the one time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something was, "Wow, Jesus, you've got something we don't teach us to pray." Bro. And uh, so that that as I look to this next season and year and onto the future, um, solitude, prayer, and fasting uh, will will be regular rhythms in my life, and. Um, it's been refreshing and life-giving, and I'm excited for you know for what God's going to do through that, bro. I uh, a perfect segue into just what I've been feeling lately, which is a couple months ago I came across this tool online where you can set up an online prayer calendar and invite people to pray hour by hour, and so it's a way of mobilizing people mm-hmm. for prayer. <clears throat> And so uh, got to thinking about how cool would it be if we finished out 2021 with 40 days of continuous 24-7 prayer from November 21st to December 31st. And so sat on it for over a month and was just uh, basically wrestling with God of, well, uh, that's I just don't know if I know enough people to make that happen. And uh, so I went ahead and signed up to like have the calendar and set it all up and uh that very next week, a guy who used to be a pastor in Africa, in Kenya, his name's Nicholas Mwangi. He's a leader here in Phoenix. And he connected me with 13 other international pastors here in the Valley who are focused on prayer. And when I brought this up, he said, we will join you in prayer for the mm. remainder of 2021, preparing ourselves, almost like tilling the soil mm. of our hearts to prepare ourselves for what God might want to do in and through us, uh, at finishing 2021, but also leading into 2022. And so um, that's for me, when I think about what God's inviting me into in our community at Rhythm, it's being a people that really believe that prayer isn't just a part of the work, it is the work. 
And intimacy with God matters more than anything because we truly cannot do anything apart from Christ. We cannot bear any fruit apart from him. So it's learning to move from a place of, I have a prayer life for 15 minutes a day or a life of prayer. Of My, my life is one of continuous, ongoing interaction. Uh, exactly. Going back to what you said, Chris, of interacting with God in such a way that's like, just tell me what you want me to do. And I will be obedient to that, even if it seems irrational to me, because I trust you. And I'm your sheep and you are my shepherd. And I believe that you're going to lead me to life and life to the fullest. So that's what I feel like God's telling me too, bro. That's good. Love it. Nick. Uh, yeah, well, let me jump on that, Matt, because I love your segue. Let me kind of segue yours. Um, there is there's a phrase I used to teach pastors for years, and it was this um, statement that made them rethink kind of the rhythms of how they did their their daily kind of routines and, and structure their church. And I would say um, programs are tools, but relationships drive. That's it. That simple. And I was always trying to get people to reframe the way they view their church. Instead of being so programmatic, let's let relationships drive everything that we do. And I have had to pause and make sure that I'm doing that too in every area of my life. And the shift from discipleship is something that we do to discipleship is something that we are Mm -hmm. to even further to say discipleship is what we do first. It's who we are first in every way. It reminded me of reading, um, Alan Hirsch came out with the the book, um, Untamed, several years ago. And he talked about evangelism as discipleship. And I remember the first time I read that, I went, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I always used to think <laughs> discipleship was a post-knowing who Jesus was action. Yeah. Um, but now more than ever, I believe that discipleship is everything that we do. And we have to be very intentional about what it is and not find ourselves going back to these easy-to-fit programs and make sure that we're moving people towards Jesus in the rhythms and spaces that we create. Everything we do, I want to look at it through a discipleship lens and say, does this lead us towards that? Even yeah. today, Brad and I were talking about some tensions we're finding in the rhythms, which are the right things to talk about. Two years ago, we were never having those conversations because That's those good. weren't our priorities. So and so good. I'm so thankful about the shift we've been making, and I want that to be our priority moving forward. Yeah, I was... It's funny you say that, dude. I literally was just looking at an article this morning that was like, it wasn't until about 1850 that there was a scholar who separated discipleship and evangelism. And before that time in church history, disciple making included reaching the lost when they became and crossed that line, building that believer up, and then equipping them as a worker and sending them out as a multiplier. That is, I mean, that's that's disciple making and evangelism was never supposed to be apart from that. It was a part of the salvation process for the restoration of all things that we get to be a part of. So dude, I resonate so deeply with that. That's so good. Mm -hmm. I think, I think for me, um, kind of along the same lines as Brad and, and even what you said, Nick resonates really well with me in terms of, what are my desires in terms of what I do um, and why am I doing it? Is it for the good of other people and is it for the restoration of all things? Um, or is it to fulfill my desire and what I want out of a certain situation? Um, and I think those get so blurred within Christianity. I was, I was meeting with a guy who's in his seventies a couple weeks ago and he just said, you know, 
uh, pastors and Christians are the worst when it comes to what answering the question, what do you desire? Because often we throw the trump card of, of God down to say, oh, I'm doing this for God's purposes. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know that that's, that's the answer that we're all looking for. But what, what do you want out of this next season? Uh, what do you long for? What is, what is it that God's putting on your heart? Um, don't, don't blanket that with or disguise that with Christianese because um, God's put something on your heart for a reason. And I think the, you know, Matt and I've talked about this a number of times on our podcast, but you know, there's, there's only one of you, either you, the listener or us together collectively. Uh, there's only one team like this that's been put together right now. And collectively God's put on our hearts, a desire, and we have to be attuned to that. And so, um, and we have to be able to filter through the selfishness in our own lives that maybe get in the way and ask the further questions of why do I feel a certain way and have some, some, I don't know what I've been saying is a competitive curiosity as to what God's placed on my heart. And then to, to, to try to dig a little bit deeper as to what are the foundations in that. So I've just tried to over the last several months, really be attuned to why I feel a certain way when either people say a certain thing or um, especially with this, doing something new uh, often comes with a lot of critique or a lot of criticism uh, or a lot of um, backlash. And so really for me, just um, and it makes me feel a certain way. And so for me to pause and to feel like, hey, I don't have to defend myself in a way that's attacking um, but I can I can really be curious as to the Holy Spirit of what are you trying to do in this moment for me, and how are you shaping me and forming me into your likeness, and how can I find security in you uh, as I go through uh, every facet of life, not just leading an organization or being a part of a team or a global movement, um, but the little areas of life. Um, what are you trying to do in me? And what do you want me to see within myself and my desires that I need to be uh, have in check? And so um, I think all that to say, just simply, I want the Holy Spirit to really check and till the soil of my desires and give me the right desires going forward into 2022 uh, for me to really be able to be open handed, uh, to not always get my way, um, but to really allow God to have his way. Uh, which sounds elementary, but unfortunately is something that takes a lifelong work to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've had a blast this season. We've had a lot of conversations around the gospel. What is the good news and what's its effect on our culture, on our whole self, the whole world. Um, and, I would like to kind of end this season with asking y'all uh, on this podcast to imagine somebody within your community that is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. And if you could speak a word of encouragement over them that maybe just overflows onto other disciple makers, mm-hmm. I'd like you to just kind of imagine you're speaking to them um, in this last moment. Because for me, uh, there's very clearly a close friend of mine that I hope other people need to hear this too, but I think he just needs to hear, not just from me, but from the Holy Spirit. He needs to know that God is his shepherd and he has everything he needs. 
and that because he has the Holy Spirit and, and we are with him as a community, he, he is not lacking in anything and he's able to go and make disciples who can make disciples. And, um, and so I just, I hope that somebody else needs to hear that kind of a Psalm 23 encouragement that the Lord is your shepherd and you are not in want. You are not lacking anything for life and for disciple making, um, by the Holy Spirit's power, you can do this. So that's what I feel like, uh, God has impressed on me to tell y'all today as we end the season, but who else wants to go? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, and in particular the reason why I think it's a great question is because when it comes to disciple making, it can be discouraging and, um, in particular, uh, disciple-making movements that we're talking about and, and making disciples who make disciples, that's not been the way of the American church in recent years. Right. And um, so I, I would, my encouragement would be to fight discouragement by narrowing your focus. And Jesus was somebody who narrowed his focus, and um, he had a tremendous impact through the investment that he made in a few and so uh, one, would, one would be to think about the few, the people in your context that God has given you an opportunity uh, to influence, and you don't have to have a big sphere. You just, you just have to have a sphere, and we all do. And so, um, so that'd be one. And then also, as you narrow your focus, remember that Jesus is the one who transforms, that, that the Holy Spirit um, does what the Holy Spirit does, and we're planting seeds and we're scattering seeds. And so uh, keep scattering in your sphere of influence and, uh, and trust him uh, to do the work that only he can do, whether it's immediate or maybe the seed you're planting will take root 10 years from now. Uh, so don't be discouraged. Just, just you know, keep living uh, as Jesus would live if you were in, in your place. Amen, dude. Yes. So good. good. So I like the way you framed that, Matt, a lot because you're, you're asking us to talk to somebody that we're, that we're seeing in discipleship, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me talk to somebody that is in our disciple, my discipleship sphere. How did you do this without getting emotional? <laughs> I rushed through it, <laughs> man. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, let me say this. Um, you try so hard to do things the way you think, uh, will be measured in success. And, and yet I don't think that that is fulfilling in God's eyes. And that time you talk about how you want to grow in your relationship with God, but you don't trust him. And the moment when you begin shifting your trust in, in things and the world and success, and you begin trusting God with that more is the, is the moment you begin to experience the freedom that God has for you. Yes. The moment you begin to experience identity in God, the moment you begin to realize that you were created for a purpose and it wasn't the things you've been chasing after Mm. and God's got a better life for you. His plan is better than yours. Mm. And I believe in you and I will walk with you and you're not alone. In fact, there's lots of people that love you and want to walk with you. Um, but it takes your steps of obedience, your steps of trust Mm. that God is enough and actually that he's way, way more than enough. So that's my hope and encouragement to you that you can do this. And it is worth it. Mm. Come on. That's good.
That's good, dude. I think the the word that comes to my mind when you were saying that is just that the road to discipleship is joy. Mm-hmm. Like there's joy in what we get to do. And um, I, I was convicted by this a lot lately. And I want to speak very directly to um, several guys that I'm discipling right now that I feel like the overall stigma is that Yes, it's hard. Um, and so because it's hard, we have to have like this um, downcast, you know, uh, uh, outlook on life or, um, you know, we have to endure, you know, we just have to get by. And and I think there's a plague of busyness and distraction that so suffocates our life um, or even maybe even distracts us at times where um, – it's almost like we take those things and we put it to the gospel and we say, well, this is the gospel. This is why I'm suffering as instead of saying, you know what, maybe we have to put off some of these other things that are good things in order to achieve great things for the kingdom and to really, truly find joy in what God has in front of us. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do. And uh, for the sake of the gospel, there's a lot of signposts that we can start to put down. Um, that was me putting for those that are listening on audio, me putting like a yard sign in front, uh, with a hammer. Um, we can kind of stake our claim and there's a lot of areas of which God could be calling us, but I've, I've seen time and time again in my own life and life of other people to say yes to a thousand things and to just be crippled with busyness and distraction and fear and, uh, comparison and all those things. And that's not the road, uh, to true suffering. Um, that's maybe self-inflicted. And, and I do think that, um, in light of that, I think there is trials of many kinds that we're going to experience for the sake of the gospel. Um, and so just, I want to encourage to press into the things that God's calling you to, to say no to a lot of good things or say yes to the pure joy that is in the kingdom, uh, to see people redeemed, see communities renewed and see creation restored. And that, um, that is worth multiplying over and over and over again, uh, are those things. So very good. Thank you, bro. Chris. I, uh, yeah, I, man, I was, uh, thinking about that question and um, think I talked to a young lady that my wife uh, has been discipling now for a couple of years and um, a young lady that grew up in a home where uh, she was told she'll never amount to anything and struggled with uh, self-confidence and who she is and all of that. And a couple of years ago, she really turned uh, to the Lord and has really been following Jesus hard uh, the last couple of years. And, um, man, when my wife and I look at this young lady, we're just like, man, God is going to use her in such big ways in uh, other young ladies' lives. And, um, I think the encouragement that we try to give her is, um, you know, when Paul talks in Eph- at the end of Ephesians two, he's like, man, you are God's workmanship. Like if you could just grasp that for a second, 
that like you are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, like, uh, and you were created in Christ Jesus, right, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. And uh, I think I just, uh, you know, we try to encourage her like, man, God is so pleased with you and so loves you. And God is taking great joy uh, in the relationship that uh, the two of you have, have developed this last couple of years. And uh, just want to encourage you to, um, to allow other young women to come along with you in this journey, um, to bring them along, even before you feel like it's time, even when you don't feel like you have anything to offer, uh, you do. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just that identity piece, right? That, and we really are God's workmanship and we really do have great purpose, which he prepared in advance for us. Yeah, bro. So good. Well, um, so good, bro. Thank you. And thank you guys for joining us on the final episode of our season two. And uh, let me just pray and send us out into the uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year celebration time. And so, uh, Father, yeah, I just pray that you would, with everybody listening, including ourselves, that we would embrace the truth that before Jesus ever made a disciple, you said, this is my beloved child, and I'm well pleased with my son, Jesus. And in Christ, you speak that over every single one of us who are following you, Jesus, that before we ever do anything, that our identity is firmly placed in Christ, and you call us your beloved, and you delight in us, and we enter into 2022 reveling in that identity ready and willing to do whatever you say, however you want to do it. We just say yes, because we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right, peace. All right, peace. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.